Hey, Tyler. Yeah, Emma? Okay, I know we make a lot of comparisons to other media in this podcast, but I'm coming to realize I think this whole show is just Into the Woods. <gasps> like the movie? Well, first it was a musical, but yeah. Like the one with Meryl Streep or even better, James Corden? I am not going to address the level of wrong that feels, but yes, they were both in the movie adaptation. Okay, okay. All right, so it all takes place in a woods. Mm-hmm. Um, James Corden is the best thing in every single movie that he's ever in. Stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what are the other connections? Well, the baker and his wife need to find a bunch of random items to have a child, and in this episode, Greg also has to find a bunch of random items. I don't get it. Well, to survive the beast, Greg has to find a gold comb, a spool of silver thread, and get the sun in the cup. Uh, Emma, I I thought that those were just a trick so the beast can trap Greg. Tyler, then why would the beast need all those items? The point was that he doesn't? Then what's the point in the episode? Emma, I honestly don't think there is any other point in this episode besides that one that you are making right now. See, that's why I think it's inspired by the musical Into the Woods, and that's the only logical solution. (laughs) I'm Emma Meyer. And I'm Tyler Strandberg. And you're listening to Keyframe Reframe. On this podcast, we watch the Cartoon Network show Over the Garden Wall and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was and give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to Keyframe Reframe. You know, Emma, I sincerely hope that we have more points to talk about in this episode other than it's just connected to Into the Woods. And you know what, Tyler? That's not even something I fully believe is true. No, (laughs) I am so sorry. I wrote these cold opens and I kind of gave you the shaft on that one. I think it's everybody's favorite part, right? To listen to us. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) I mean, that's why we always get listeners who stop listening after the first two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Well, today we're diving into the last episode. It's time. It's time for the final episode. And there's only 10. So this is the last one of the series, too. Which I think is just a nice, clean number. Definitely. I always like saying that, like, there's only 10 episodes and they're 10 minutes. So just sit through all of them like it's a movie. Mm -hmm. But the last episode, 10th and final one, it is titled The Unknown. Beatrice sees Greg with the beast, but is whisked away by a strong wind and crashes into Wirt, who is also looking for Greg. The woodsman ventures into the woods and finds Greg transforming into an Adelwood tree. Wirt and Beatrice arrive to witness the woodsman attempting to free Greg and fight the beast. Wirt tries to save Greg, but struggles to save him. The beast offers Wirt an exchange, take over the woodsman's duties to keep Greg's soul alive in the lantern. Wirt rejects the offer, suspecting the flame within the lantern is actually the beast's own life source. Wirt frees Greg and gives Adelaide's magic scissors to Beatrice, who feels she must return to her family and tell them she is responsible for their curse. They head off as the woodsman, mortified to learn that he has never been truly keeping his daughter alive, extinguishes the lantern, ending the beast's life. After Wirt and Beatrice say their goodbyes, Wirt wakes up under the pond and pulls Greg and his frog to the surface. When Wirt wakes up in the hospital, Sarah tells Wirt she hasn't listened to the tape yet, but he offers to listen to it at his house. Greg starts telling everyone about the events they had experienced in the unknown. The epilogue shows the residents of the unknown living happier lives and Beatrice with her family restored to human form. 
Aww. Aww. So cute. Happy ending for all. <laughs> this episode premiered on Cartoon Network on November 7th, 2014, and was written by Natasha Allegri, Jim Campbell, and Tom Herpich. All right. Well, last one. This is not really. I mean, we still have a wrap-up episode. And if you don't usually listen to those, please stay tuned for the wrap-up episode because that is going to be epic. Packed with so so much, much information. Information. I mean, one of the downsides of this series was that like we couldn't really dive into each episode fully because it would lean into like very heavy spoiler territory. Right. And, and it functions like a movie. Yeah. And yeah. We would be talking like if we were in the second episode, we'd be talking about things that happened in the tenth one and that just like didn't narratively make sense for mm-hmm. this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we are going to cover all of that in wrap up so please stay tuned but now we are doing things to know for the last one this was one I noticed when I was listening to the um, the soundtrack like mm-hmm. as I was writing this mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of obsessed with it so the song that is playing while Greg is being sacrificed to the beast is Potatoes and Molasses in Latin mm-hmm. <laughs> it's O Potatus et Molasses and I am <laughs> obsessed with that I think that's hilarious there I'm, was a brief moment in my life in high school when I tried learning Latin mm-hmm. and like I mean it's not hard to pick out Latin words so I want to know like what liberal arts college student landed the job of translating those lyrics into Latin because mm-hmm. it sounds like a dream come true honestly <laughs> yeah and I mean like I put the lyrics of Potatoes and Molasses into Google Translate, and it doesn't quite line up with the lyrics mm-hmm. like that this song sings. So that tells me that like someone who actually knows Latin translated it into like totally. a more accurate like. Tyler, what are the odds that you get potato, whatever it is in Latin, mm-hmm. um, tattooed somewhere on your body, like perhaps on your hip, or like on your hmm. shoulder, or like? Fully across your chest. What are the odds I do that? Okay, so for reference, I have low standards when it comes to tattoos. (laughs) Um, I have one on my butt that is more of a meme than anything meaningful. Mm -hmm. About a month ago, I was going to get a quote from Avatar that's like right below my underwear line that said, pants are an illusion and so is death. Oh my. <laughs> so I'm, I am still planning on getting that one. Love, <laughs> Just love, love, when love. we don't know. So 10 out of 10 means that I'm for sure going to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would commit a solid six or seven. Mm, okay. Like, it is more likely that that will happen than unlikely. You have to take me with you when you get it. Yes, you will be my plus one to the tattoo parlor. Stellar. So another funny Easter egg that I super loved as somebody who's been a fan of the show for a long time and has definitely dug into, like, other other places where these characters have existed. During the epilogue, Lorna can be seen reading a book titled Tome of the Unknown, which is the name of the show's pilot episode. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It is everything you love about Over the Garden Wall. They're, like in a garden and there's a vegetable man Mm -hmm. and it's really, really, really cute. So if you haven't gotten enough of Over the Garden Wall, go check that out on YouTube. Very much like the first um, or the second and third episode kind of vibes, you know, fun little adventures with groups of townspeople. So this is one I found super interesting too. The mill from the first episode is revealed to be the home of Beatrice and her family before they were all turned into bluebirds. The numerous statues of bluebirds in the house also hint at this. And the dog that was mistaken for the beast at the mill is the same dog that we see 
during the intro with Beatrice. Okay, I'm not going to lie. On the last time I watched this, I did notice that there were bird stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. but I did not make the connection that that was like, wow. Okay, that's a fun yeah. fact No, for me. I think so. It is fun. <laughs> I mean, this is why they're things to know. They're fun. They're fun. <laughs> um, also, in the final episode, the beast's eye color changed briefly to match the turtle infected dog in the first episode. What do you think that means? I was actually reading into this a little bit, and I don't think I ever, I don't, I was planning on putting it in the series wrap up, but I don't think I did. So listen in, folks. There is numerous hints that the beast is somehow connected to the turtles Mm, throughout the series. So, like, well, okay. I was thinking the same thing because Auntie Whispers also eats turtles. mm -hmm. And I was saying when we were talking about, that episode that I think Lorna and the Beast are, are very connected to mm-hmm. each other, especially like in their character design, right? Like right. this is the episode where we see what the Beast actually looks like. And mm-hmm. he looks a lot like Lorna does when she's in like her demon form. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And um, like Auntie Whisper's sister, sister Adelaide said that like she is a slave to the beast or something mm-hmm. like that. So there's that connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, when the dog eats the turtle, he turns into like this beast-like form. Mm-hmm. Um, at the In the epilogue, the fish fisherman catches a turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just like a lot of connections that are there. I think like when the beast first shows up in the fourth episode, there's mm-hmm. like turtles in that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just super interesting. I if oh, it's like- also, the beast is constantly shown in silhouette as I feel like he's just a shadow. He's all black, even when there's light around. Mm-hmm. And the turtles are shown like that too. They're always all black. Right. I'm thinking of like all of those horror movies, right? Where like people, or like not people, the, the evil characters are like puking up like bugs, like mm-hmm. possessed people, things like mm-hmm. that. And I wonder if that's like what they're trying to do with this, but. With turtles. Maybe. I you know, know what I'm saying? I don't I'm not pers- a big horror movie buff. No, but- neither am I. No, I don't think like the connection is fully there. I think it's just kind of like a fun little thing you might notice. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm kind of interested in it. Yeah. Patrick yeah. McHale, tell us why turtles are related to tell demons and the beast. Why you just I mean, as we talked about, turtles are your favorite food. Yeah, aren't they? turtles are seafood. I have to stop saying that because <laughs> no, um, it's so not true. I'm kidding. I've not eaten a turtle in my life. It is my fault for like actually believing you when you said <laughs> that. <laughs> so my apologies. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into the theme of this episode. Um it's kind of like a Big thing. We, we're going to venture off a little bit. But I thought that self-realization was, like, pretty important for this totally. episode. Totally. I mean, like, all of the characters complete, like, their final character journeys and arcs in this episode. And because of which, they're able to find resolution to all of the problems they face. You know, like, Wirt accepts his responsibilities and he's able to go back home. Whereas, like, Beatrice is able to accept that it's her fault that her family has turned into bluebirds. Right. And as they are accepting the worst parts of themselves and the consequences for their actions— We see character growth. Also, like, into this episode, we see at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Wirt is more confident. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
He asks Sarah out. I know. Compare that to like last episode in the flashback before mm-hmm. he was even in the unknown. He was so afraid to even talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then like he was blaming Greg for mm-hmm. the things that like happened between him and Sarah, you know. And this time he just fully goes for it. Right. Realizes that Jason Funderburker kind of sucks. Right. Yeah. The totally. unknown has changed him. Yes. Well, I mean, even before that, right? Like as Wirt is trying to save his brother, he's, like, not only being brave because he's trying to, like, chop Greg out of the Edelwood tree, but he's mm-hmm. also, like, straight up challenging the beast and mm-hmm. being like, no, I don't think that Greg's soul would be in here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you want to protect this so much. Yeah. Smart boy. Yeah. Can we talk about how... um the woodsman's daughter just shows up at the end. Yeah. Why do we think that happens? So, like, my theory was Uh that, like, her soul never actually lived in the lantern. Mm -hmm. And my theory was that, like, she was just turned into an Ada Wood tree, you know, but she (gasps) returned when the beast was killed because, like, maybe her tree wasn't chopped down. So, like, all of the lost souls that were turned into Ada Wood trees Mm -hmm. that were still standing when the beast was killed, like, maybe returned. Mm -hmm. But the end of the episode focuses entirely on how, like, there's not any more Adelwood trees left, and that's why the beast right. needs Greg. Right, I so, think. So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely true, and honestly, it's a question that I have asked to myself but have not really thought through the possibilities of. I think that feels like the best hypothesis to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, in the fir- it makes sense that there's no Adelwood trees left, too, because in the first episode, like, you see the woodsman had, like, a bunch of oil in the mill, and he right. had, like, a bunch of sticks that he was going to make into mm-hmm. oil, but the mill was completely destroyed, so he lost all of it. Mm-hmm. So then he had to, like, make up for it, you know, and right. gather more. Oh, boy. Sorry, smooth brain moment. Ain't that just the way. <laughs> Ain't that just the way. <laughs> Well, of course, as we just talked about, the character that is at the center of growth in this episode is our anxious little friend, Wirt. Yes. God, what a what an anxious little boy. I, I'm obsessed <laughs> with him. I yeah. love him. No, I mean, like, he finally accepts his responsibilities and his, his own faults as an older brother to Greg in this mm-hmm. episode. And instead of blaming Greg for the events that they've gone through, Wirt accepts that he could have done more as an older brother, and he tries correcting the mistakes that he that he's had. I I love that. I love that yeah, for him. Yeah, yes. We love an older sibling moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you've had plenty of those as yeah. the older sibling. Yeah, I mean, definitely actually almost the same experience as what happens in Over the Garden Wall, in fact. Yeah, so you've been to the unknown before? Totally, Oh totally. my God, yeah. Tell Beatrice I say hi. <laughs> No, I guess as the younger sibling, I can't really relate. But <laughs> you never had to have personal growth, did you? No, I just stayed a little bitch my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> well, okay, we also know that Wirt knew better than to be tricked by the beast in this episode. So instead of sacrificing his life to be a slave to the lantern, Wirt accepts to save them both the best way that he can. Yeah, and it's because of Wirt's acceptance of his own faults that they're able to leave the unknown and return back home, although, like, barely surviving. Right, and I mean, that is such a massive leap from where we have seen Wirt be Mm -hmm. this whole series. I mean, the only problem-solving that he did during the series, right, was, like, following a path, making conventional, you know, Mm -hmm. ignoring his brother, but here we see him 
step out of the box, be challenging, be brave, Mm -hmm. because he was acting out of love and not worry or fear or some emotion like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I think this is, I mean, this is something that's really important to me as well. It's like once you accept your faults, you have to try your hardest to, like, correct them. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't just be like, oh, sorry, I was wrong. You know, like, try, like, repent for your sins. Okay, okay. I think this is really reflected, too, in um, the last line of the last episode when he's going out to look for Greg and Beatrice's mom is like, you can't go out with the weather like this. Like, you'll die out there. Mm-hmm. And where it says, I was never any good to my brother alive either. Aww. And I'm like, oh, baby. You're like I'm 14. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're like 14. It's okay if you have anxiety. All teenagers do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. Absolutely. He's just, he's he's a changed person. Yeah. Okay, now jumping back again to what I was going to say. How do you think this enables Wirt to leave from the unknown? For me, this is something I've talked about in previous episodes and something that I definitely want to dive into into the series wrap-up. But for me, the unknown is a space for people who are lost, right? Lost souls, right? That the beast feeds on. It's an in-between space. It's a space of transition. So I think the way that Wirt and Greg got out is because Wirt decided that he wasn't lost anymore, right? And this is something Mm -hmm. we especially talked about in the last episode about why Greg had access to Cloud City, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to say it. Right. Um, But I think it's a magical place. Mm -hmm. And I think his bravery his direction, his love for others, and his acceptance of himself allowed him to leave the unknown. And I think that's true for the other characters, too, that we see in the epilogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that is, yeah, you totally wrapped it up perfectly. I think that Wirt's acceptance is what allows him to pass on. Totally. Not pass on, but, you know. Totally. Come back. And honestly, that makes me kind of think, like, Do we think that the other, and I'm just talking about the epilogue here, right? Mm -hmm. Do we think that the other characters that they interact with through this series are still in the unknown? Or are they back in their own worlds the way Greg and Wirt are? Mm. I have theories about that. Oh. That I think we can talk a little bit more in the series wrap-up. Stay tuned. Tyler, last episode of the series, of course, the podcast has more episodes, but last episode of Over the Garden Wall, who stood out to you as your favorite character? Emma, I don't think this will come as a surprise that my favorite character was Wirt. Ah, say Um, more. I I just really like him. I know. (laughs) Um, I really like Wirt's character completion in this episode like he mm. learns that he has to care for Greg and he has to take responsibilities for his own actions and you really see him grow and change as a person but like his personality doesn't really change either like mm. he's still um sarcastic and like stubborn I guess kind of like how he's been this whole time like I really love that moment when he when the beast is like carry the lantern and where it's like okay Wait, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Like, yes, buddy, good for you. (laughs) Um, And then he, like, still chooses to, like, save Greg, like, on his own, which I think is just very, like, self-determined. And that reflects back in the third episode when he was, like, just trying to prove a point to Beatrice. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
yeah, I just, I really love him. I think that he does so, he has so much growth, but he doesn't ever really lose himself, I mm. guess. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who was your favorite character? You know, my favorite character is my favorite character for a lot of the same reasons that Wirt was your favorite character. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the Woodsman. Really? Yeah. Wow, I love that. I, like, just like you said about Wirt, I think... You know, the woodsman throughout this series is just kind of this, like, bonkers old man wandering around in the woods. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we go through over the garden wall, we see some things get clarified about him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you go back and rewatch it, the things that—and sometimes watch it with subtitles. Yes. um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, things are clarified about, like, why he says the things that he says and things like that. But I feel like— the character that he arrives as at the end of this episode is like a loving father who is more centered, who ends up killing the beast, mm-hmm. I think is really, really lovely. And I also just, I genuinely tear up at the moment when he sees his daughter again mm-hmm. and she comes out of the cabin and I just think it's lovely and I think it's, even though the woodsman is not in the whole series, mm-hmm. I think he is the most interesting in terms of his overall shape in the show. Mm-hmm. And this episode, I think, closes out his character really well. Yeah, wow, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I'm like kind of obsessed with that. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, tell me, what did you think overall? What would you rate this episode? Um... You know, I think this is a great way to end the series. Mm. And I think that it is just like a perfect closeout. And it's really, really hard to do that, especially Mm -hmm. with such a short series like this, Mm -hmm. to kind of leave the viewer happy and content with where they are and not really like wanting more. Just like this is what you have and you are. This is satisfying. Mm -hmm. I think it does a great job doing that. And I gave this a 10 out of 10. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I love that. No, I it's it's surprisingly dark, and I really like how it's not afraid to dive into a more serious tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and for all the reasons that I just said, I think it wraps up the series very nicely. Yeah. What did you give this episode, Tyler? I know throughout this podcast, I have given very high ratings, mm-hmm. and this episode is no exception. I also gave it a ten out of ten. Yes, you did. <laughs> You know, I think just as you said, the way that we see these characters arrive at the end of our journey with them, because it's obvious that everybody else's story, not just Greg and Wirtz, right, but like Mm -hmm. all of the people that they met have stories that continue. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciate that the ending that we get as an audience, you're right, is satisfying, but like... You know, unless you are listening to a podcast like this or watching YouTube videos or like, you know, watching this multiple times a year, you know, you're still left kind of in the suspension Mm -hmm. of the unknown Mm -hmm. um, that we love about this series, right? That there are so many questions that are unanswered and you're left in this kind of like, I don't know, like a floating space, kind of like the frog, I think that's Playing a piano. really good way of putting it. Thank you. Wow. I should say the frog's name is Jason Thunderburger. Jason Thunderburger. Thunder- I said Thunderburger <laughs> again. Yeah, you did. 
It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Those I, are funny words, and that's what his name should be, Jason Thunderburger. I think it's funnier, but anyway. I do too, but, you know, <laughs> Patrick McHale, I have one I have, one critique. I have three critiques <laughs> overall, but— And one of them is Jason Thunderburger. <laughs> That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to producer and audio engineer Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sonavent Productions, and AA Watermelons on Twitter, who made our cover art. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is keyframereframe at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at keyframereframe. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. I'm Emma Meyer, the co-host of this show. You can follow me on Instagram at Emma Lee Meyer. That's E-M-M-A- L-E-I-G-H-M-Y-H-R-E. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.